We're going to get right in the book of Mark. I think we're in Mark chapter 7 now, so if you could open up your Bible. And in my Bible, it's entitled in a subtitle, Followers of Tradition. And, you know, there's a couple of things that we have to say about traditions. All traditions are not bad. There are some good traditions and there are some bad traditions. And whenever a tradition is bad, it's because the tradition causes the word of God to be void or powerless in your life. In other words, when you follow a tradition that does not allow you to serve God in the fullest measure and capacity that he would like you to follow him in, and you make the tradition more important than people, then that can be a bad tradition. So uh, the early saints, I call them the first century saints, all they had at that time was traditions to live by because they were taught from the Old Testament and taught in the early church about all the things that had happened. So they only had traditions to follow. When it said to follow the apostles' teachings, their doctrines, these were the things that Jesus taught the apostles, and the apostles were passing these things on down to people. And remember, the Bible wasn't written like we have it today. So all they had was people sharing what they were taught from eyewitness people to other people that had it secondhand, to other people that had it thirdhand, to where all the way down the line, and here we are today. And then we get the Bible uh, in a written form to where we can now all follow the Bible. And first, when the Bible was first uh, written, it wasn't given out to everyday men. It wasn't the common word to give to everybody. And it had to be translated and all kinds of things had to happen. And so today we are blessed to have so many different renditions and translations in different languages all around the world. And so you have to have respect for those biblical traditions that God says that are good and then not allow the traditions of men, the doctrines of men, to change the love that you have for people and the love that you have for God because some traditions could do that. Now, we see the Bible as a dramatic expression of things that had happened during their time, and we have a lot of key players. We got Sadducees, we got Pharisees, you got scribes, you know, and you've got the apostles, and you've got, you know, different people in the land, the different sick people, and all this is a big dramatic expression of watching God work and weave himself through all these different types of character traits. And so we have to kind of decipher when we're reading the Bible, you know, some of the things in the Bible are written for them specifically. Some things in the Bible are written because of the old times long ago, and it will reference that long ago. And then the Bible is written for the present day, and then it's written for the future. And then you got to know sometimes the Bible is written to women, specific things God says to women, specific things he says to men, then specific things he says to the Jews, and specific things he says to the Gentiles. So you got to be able to do what Timothy said, rightly divide the word of truth, because everything does not apply the same way to everybody. So you just got to read it and you got to study it. And you cannot read the Bible like a storybook. It's a revelation. It is the word of God being revealed to us. And the Holy Spirit is our teacher. Isn't that good news? We're in the class of the Holy Spirit. Even though there are particular gifts that God talks about, the apostles, the prophets, you know, the evangelists, the pastors and the teachers, we know that it is the Holy Spirit who works through the gifts that God has given to men and any other gift that you might have as we look at the different gifts and the many parts of the body, how it all works. These are particular things that the Holy Spirit will use so that everybody can be blessed. I've often said that whatever gift or ability that you have, it doesn't belong to you. It belongs to the body of Christ. See, so if, if it was your particular gift, you could turn it off and turn it on whenever you want it. I mean, I would sure like to go through the menu and pick out the gift of healing and just show up at a hospital and wipe it out. But you can't do that. It's always as the Holy Spirit leads. 
It's the unction of the Holy Spirit. And these things function so God ultimately gets to glory out of everything that we do. And that if there is a gift in your life that's in operation, when you leave people and after you've spoken to people and prayed with people, you should leave them pointed at Jesus. Not pointed at you because you did such a great thing. You know what I'm saying? You don't glorify the person that has the gift. You glorify the gift giver. God himself who has manifest himself in many various ways through many people who have sensitivities through faith to be able to hear and know when the unction of God is to say something or not. Sometimes when I speak to people and I'm witnessing to people, minister to people, the first thing I start out is just being hospitable. I mean, I don't always get like a fervent ring of fire around my head. Oh, go talk to that person. Sometimes it's just, how are you doing today? That's how it starts. And then it may end up in a spiritual transaction. But you got to be open to be able to speak to people. Isn't that right? Got to be open to share with people. Be ready at all times. Be instant in season and out of season. Amen. All right. So let's take a look at what they're saying here in the first verse of Mark chapter 7. It says, and the Pharisees and some of the scribes gathered together around him. And when they had come from Jerusalem and had seen that some of his disciples were eating their bread with impure hands, that is unwashed. <laughs> impure hands, that is unwashed. And it's not like the kind of washing we do when we send our children to the laboratory and we say, go wash your hands, put some soap on your hands, and make sure your hands are clean. This was supposed to be connected that if your hands have been washed and pure, then your heart is washed and pure. So it's more of a ceremonial kind of ritual that they did. And when they washed their hands, they had to speak a blessing. As they washed their hands, they poured the water on their hands like twice like this, and they poured the water on their hands like this, and then they held their hands up in the air because that way the water can run down their arm because if you hold your hands down and the water from your arm runs down, this part is still unpure. So it runs down, so you can't do that. So you wash your hands, and then you speak a blessing. And then while you speak, after you wash your hands, you speak the blessing. Now, this is what they were saying to Jesus. Why are your people eating with impure hands? Well, at that point, the disciples were hungry, and they didn't care whether they, their hands were impure or not. They were trying to eat. They were trying to get the bread. But the tradition was that the Pharisees were upset about is that your disciples, which is an accusation against Jesus, you call yourself a teacher. Why didn't you teach them how to eat and how to wash their hands before they eat? So really, when we make accusations against the people of God, we're making accusations against God. Just something to think about, eh? So they were concerned about impure hands and all of that good stuff. And, you know, we do the same thing with our children. I tell my children all the time, wash your hands, especially when you come from outside and their hands are all grubby and they run to the table. And we say no. But this was a ritual that they did. It was something that from the Old Testament that they did, and, and it was a practice that they did. So they were now upset. You know, when you read the Bible, they were upset about Jesus for everything. No matter what Jesus did or said, they were, they were upset when his disciples didn't wash their hands. They were upset when he healed people. They were upset what they healed people on. They healed on the Sabbath day. What better day than the Sabbath day to heal someone? I mean, but they, anything that Jesus did, they were in opposition to Jesus because what you're doing is you're fighting against this relationship that God wants with man versus the traditions and all the rituals and all the things that man did to even get to know God in the Old Testament. So here's Jesus now not abolishing the law, not breaking laws, but fulfilling the law. He's fulfilling things as he goes. Now watch. So they asked a question. They're upset, and they got an attitude right now. right? So verse 2 again, and had seen that some of his disciples were eating 
their bread with impure hands, that is, unwashed. Now watch verse 3. For the Pharisees and all the Jews did not eat unless they carefully washed their hands, thus observing the traditions of the elders. You see that? Does your Bible say anything different? I want to make sure we're in the same place. <laughs> you see, because there's a tradition of the elders. And you know with traditions, you could stop understanding what the meaning of the tradition is, and you're just doing it because that's what you were taught to do. That, that's what people do. You know, if your grandma taught you this or grandpa taught you that, and you didn't really know why, but they just said do it because back in those days, you really couldn't question. If they said do something, you just do it. And then years later, everybody's moved on, and now you're at the helm of the family, and you're doing things, and the grandkids come on and say, Daddy or Mom, why do we do this? And you're like, well, I don't know. This is the way we've always done it. That's what we've always done it. And that's what the little girl said. I and mean, you guys have probably heard this thing before at the Thanksgiving dinner. And mom always took the ham and cut it in half, took the turkey and cut it in half and put it in the pot. So when they grew up, the girls took and did what their mom did, cut the ham, put it in the pot. And one day somebody said, well, why do you cut the ham and put it in the pot? He said, I don't know. That's what grandma did. But then when you go back and look at it and you say, grandma, why did you always cut the ham and put it in the hot pot? Because that's the size pot I had. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure if grandma had a bigger pot, she probably wouldn't have cut the ham. But tradition was that grandma always cut it and put it in the pot because she had a little pot. So we don't understand why we all do what we do, but we know here, and I'm not mad at them because they didn't know any better. They're saying, this is what the elders have always taught us. And here you come, and your disciples are disrespectful to the elders. They were more mad about them doing something different than what they were taught because it was tradition. Yes, sir. Does that make sense? Yeah. I understand that because there are certain traditions in our family. This is the way we do it in our house. Yeah. You know, and, and it's not that it should be so strict that we can't budge a little bit and change a little bit. You know, we have to be able to give a little bit in to some things because we're really trying to reach people's soul. We're trying to reach people. So here they are. Je Jesus got his disciples with him. They laid out why they were upset and said, this is a tradition of the elders. And verse 4 says, and when they came uh, from the marketplace, <laughs> they do not eat unless they cleanse themselves. So this is something they did regularly. So, and there are many other things which they had received in order to observe, such as washing of cups and pitchers and copper pots. So it was like a major ordeal for them to even sit down and have a meal if they were hungry. They got to, you know, almost baptize the cups, baptize the pots, you know, wash their hands, do all this stuff. By that time, your hunger could have waned. Yeah. You know, usually when I get like a hunger bug, I'm like ready to eat. You know, we go to mom's house like right after Sunday. She, she goes, she likes to eat. She's from the tradition that right after church we eat. She's not trying to get out to church and go cook food. She's like, I'm ready to eat right now. So she goes home. She's got her meal already ready. You know, so when you're hungry, you're hungry. But here they are washing cups and pots and all these utensils and baptizing them and, and making sure everything is pure. And I'm sitting there, stomach growling and everything, you know. And, hey, man, is the stuff blessed yet? <laughs> can, can we eat? Right? So the disciples weren't trying to hear that. And here we are where we have the issues. Now, verse 5. And the Pharisees and the scribes asked him. Here we go, y'all. Strap on your seatbelts. Why... <laughs> Do your disciples not walk according to the traditions of the elders, but, here's the accusation, eat their bread with impure hands? 
Then they asked the disciples that. Why are you guys eating like that? You know, what are you guys doing? You know, that's true. They went to Jesus. How come your disciples, your disciples now, not ours, your people, the disciples that follow you, why don't they listen and adhere to the traditions of our elders? They saw this as disrespectful to what the elders taught them and disrespectful to the traditions and the customs of their day. And they just wanted to know, so they went right to Jesus and they asked him the question, why do your disciples do this? And are you ready for what Jesus has to say? <laughs> Let's look and see what Jesus has to say. See, I want you to take a note of how Jesus answered people who came to him with full accusation and watch how he did it and then model yourself after the way Jesus talks to these people you need to model yourself in the same way. Because a lot of times when people question us, we get irate. We become wroth. We have so much ire. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? People get upset. And I used to do it. When somebody questions you, it's like questioning your person. You're questioning who I am. Why are you questioning me like that? Now I want you to watch how Jesus dealt with people when they questioned him. And they had a point to their question. Don't get me wrong. They had a point because this is what they were taught. So again, I say to you, I'm not mad with them, but they didn't know who they were talking to. That's the thing. They did not know who they were talking to. That's kind of like talking to the one who created everything. The one who was there at the beginning who was not created himself. And he's here on the earth by visitation for a few years to straighten out a few things and, and carve a pathway for all of us to get next to God. They did not know who they were talking to. They were not talking to just a man. They were not talking to just another prophet. They were talking to the king of kings and the Lord of lords, but they didn't know it because it hadn't been revealed yet. Now imagine what a big whoops it's going to be when you find out who you were talking to. I do this all the time with people. Now, I'm nothing. Apart from Christ, I'm nothing. But I don't have the habit of going around and introducing myself as Pastor Ralph. I just don't do it because, I mean, you know, I'm not everybody's pastor. So I'm not going to meet you the first time. I'm Pastor Ralph. <laughs> well, I'm not your pastor, so I'm not Pastor Ralph. It's what I do. It's what God called me to do. But my name is Ralph E. Buchanan. So the first thing I do is I introduce myself as Ralph Buchanan. So people will come up to me a lot of times, and they'll introduce themselves, and they'll say, well, what's your name? I say, my name is Ralph. And then they'll come and visit the church, and then they'll sit around. And the one that lady, just not too long ago, she said, well, this is really nice right here. Well, where is the pastor? <laughs> and I always pause when they say that. And I say, you're looking at him. She goes, oh, my gosh. No, 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 oh, my gosh. Because we've had a conversation since then, and she said a few things. And see, sometimes you don't know who you're talking to. <laughs> you, just don't, you just don't know who you're talking to. It's not a big deal because it's me, but I'm saying when you talk to people, you need to be no respective person. You need to treat everybody with respect because you don't know who you're talking to. And she, I could tell she was a little embarrassed. I said, hey, you don't need to be embarrassed with me. I put my boots on this morning. All right, pulled my pants up, did everything every man does. I'm just a nobody trying to be somebody with somebody that knows everything. And that's God. That's God. That's God. Now watch this. All right, so they, they say this to Jesus, and I love how Jesus responds to people. Verse 6, and he said to them, them who? <laughs> them that asked the question. He says, rightly did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites, as it is written. 
Jesus recalls what Isaiah said. Rightly, he did tell me about you and Isaiah. He told me about you hypocrites. I mean, you know, Jesus was no joke. He was not a weak person. I mean, he was so purely truthful that it seemed like he was getting with them. But all he did was quote the truth. There you are. There you are. Isaiah spoke about you all. Yeah, you, you were the hypocrites in Isaiah that he spoke about. Okay. All right. Now I know who I'm talking about. I know who I'm dealing with. Now watch this. <laughs> he says, as it is written, this people honors me with their lips. He says, but their heart is far away from me. And now to add insult to injury, he didn't stop there. Verse seven, but in vain do they worship me in vain. They worship me teaching. Listen, y'all as doctrine, the precepts of men. Now watch this in verse eight, neglecting the commandment of God, you hold to the traditions of men, neglecting what God wants. Deeper picture. You know, when you read the Bible, there's a letter, but then there's the spirit of the letter. It's like we write what is written, but how it's to be intended and interpreted and being realized so that we can please God is something different. So everything in the Bible, I like to say it like this, is truly stated, but not always statements of truth. Because things that get said, a lot of times are just being recorded as they said it. It's like somebody could say, you know, like Job, the Lord gave and the Lord taketh away. But who took it away? Satan tested him and he took it away. And people say, well, but the, but the Lord led him. But the Lord will always allow us to be tested. But Job said, the Lord has given, the Lord has taken away. Well, God wasn't doing the taking. God was doing the sustaining. But the enemy was attacking and testing. So you hear a statement like God's and you hear people pray this. Well, the Lord gives, the Lord taketh away. Not in every case. Some things God takes away. Some things he doesn't. Some things we have to work through. Some things we have to work out. And because you lose some things doesn't mean that God wanted you to lose it. Like a lot of people would tell me because I did a lot of hospital ministry and they would say, well, I'm in here because God's trying to teach me something. And I say, what did you learn? And they never could tell me. I said, so let me get this right. So you got burnt up with fire and you're wrapped up in all of this gauze and all this stuff. And you got one leg in a sling, one down, and I can just see your eyes and you see your lips. Everything's wrapped up like a mummy. So God did this to you so you could learn what? And they never really could answer you because that's just stuff people say. The Lord did this to teach me. Now, some of us have been in so much trouble, we should have learned <laughs> by now. If God was doing that to teach us something, why do we keep making the same old mistakes? And it's kind of wrong to incite God for foolishness that we do or happenstance, circumstances, or situations. Now, the Bible does teach us that all things can possibly work together for good, for those who love God and those who are called according to his purpose, those things will work out. It's what the criteria there is those who love God and those who are called according to his purpose. All right. See, so you got to look at that. So you can't just say all things, all things. The two criteria is for that. Hey, hey, do you love God and are you called according to his purpose? Amen. Are we more than conquerors? Why? Through Christ, because of his victory and his conquering. You see, so when we say all these things, you got the Pharisees speaking, you got the scribes speaking, you know, and they're coming to Jesus with this tradition and they're trying to tell Jesus, you know, that your disciples are disrespectful to the things that we've been taught. 
Because again, they did not know who they were talking to. So Jesus continues to talk. And I'm so happy that they thought they'd write down the things Jesus said in red because we can clearly see the script here. So all the red writing, uh, the theologians got together and said, we'll put all the words of Christ in red so we can decipher between just the black uh, words and know when the Pharisees are talking or when Jesus is talking. But uh, interesting, you know, he says in verse 7, he says, in vain they worship him. He says, in teaching as doctrines. Men are real good at making doctrines of the thing. He said, teaching as doctrines the precepts of men. So that means there are doctrines and then there are precepts. You got to know the difference between the doctrines and the precepts. Now, in Acts 2.42, it talks about the apostles' doctrine. And it says that we are to heed the apostles' doctrine, right? The things that Jesus had taught them. And so we're to follow those and, you know, we're to have fellowship one with another and have communion with one another and have prayer, you know, and follow their teachings. That's the apostles' doctrine. And because they were eyewitnesses, they were with Jesus, they passed down what they heard, what they seen, and all of that good stuff. So it's authenticated by eyewitness accounts. It's not secondhand information. I mean, these guys supposedly from the word, they walked with Jesus, talked with Jesus, saw things, and they are now um, repeating the things that Jesus taught them. And he taught them many things. And one of the things I love about what Jesus taught them, he says, there are many more things that I want to teach you, but you can't bear them now. But the Holy Spirit, when he comes, he's going to guide you in all truth. He's going to teach you those things. And then he's also going to call to your remembrance the things that I have taught you. Because you can't remember everything that Jesus taught you. So he's standing in front. This is why Christians got to be ready by staying up in the Word, staying in prayer. So we're looking at what Jesus is lining out here. And... Listen, he goes on to say, in verse 9, right, he says, And he was also saying to them, You nicely set aside the commandment of God, watch this now, in order to keep your tradition. So while they were pointing the finger at Jesus' disciples, Jesus turned around and says, But, you know, watch. He says, You nicely set aside the commandment of God, in order to keep your traditions. Now, by now, I know the Pharisees are not happy. I know they're not excited at this point. They probably wish he would be quiet. They probably wish they never would ask the question at this point. But watch what happens. Now Jesus goes all the way back in verse 10. For Moses, now you guys know who Moses is, right? I mean, yeah. for Moses said, honor your father and your mother. And he who speaks evil of father or mother, watch this, let him be put to death. Now, let's get real deep. While you're asking me about my disciples not washing their hands, many of you are not honoring your parents. And it says, and Moses said this now. Say something against Moses. <laughs> try, try to speak against Moses now. All right? Because you're coming to me. But see, what they don't know is a greater than Moses is standing in front of them. I mean, that just sends chills down my back. A greater, and Moses was powerful, but he was just a man, right? but a greater than Moses to stand before them. So he cites Moses' word that God gave to Moses. We know Moses went up on a mountain and got word from God and came down and wrote it down. So it's like God speaking through Moses. And so now God says to honor your mother and father. He says, but the scriptures say if you speak evil of your mother and father, and you know many people speak evil of their parents. See how we have a, a unanimous mm-hmm. <laughs> many people, because we, we do it out of ignorance, not realizing that our parents, in a lot of cases, are just 
human beings. And they make mistakes. And they didn't get all the information that they needed when they were having children. Some people just have children. Just have them because we're married and want to have them. Some people have children because they're not married, just want kids. And then, you know, to have a child, you now are responsible for a life and a soul that is in the earth, that you've turned loose in the earth, and it has to be guided and loved and cared for and taught and all these things. It's so important. I always tell people, just because you're married, don't mean you should be having kids. You better sit down and think about it. First place you ought to go is how were you when you were a kid? Because your kid's going to be twice you are. Yeah. I told my mom, I said, was I a bad kid? She said, no. And I'm thinking, why do I have so many problems out of my kids then? <laughs> and the next thing she would say, well, because you can take it. That's the wisdom of a mother. But listen, Jesus tells them this. You know, I mean, when you recite what Moses says, you pretty much shut the door, especially on tradition and Jewish mind. Hebrew mind people, you're shutting the door when you say Moses' name because they know who Moses was and all the stuff that God did through him. So Moses said, let him be put to death. Can you imagine disrespecting your parents back then? You got put to death. But yet the government and the state says we, we can't train and teach our children the way the Bible says. And so our children are speaking evil to us all the time. But yet you can't do anything because there are laws humanitarian laws to protect children, which I agree, because some people are abusive, but my point is, then why don't they abide by the same laws when your children get in trouble? Why are they beating your kids when they pick them up? If you tell me I can't spank or chastise my child, but when my child does something wrong against the law, you beat my child into a car, and you beat them up, and by the time they get to the jail, we got to take them into medical. That's just something to think about. You're telling me I can't restrain my child, but you're going to restrain them. And possibly, most of the time, kill them. So something's wrong with society and the laws and all these things. That's why you got to go with God. When it comes to where you're at a crossroad, got to go with God. Even if something comes upon you that's not something you desire, better to go with God than obey men. So... Anyway, it's a strict thing in verse 10. Moses says, you honor, uh, if you honor, it says to honor your mother and your father, and he who speaks evil of mother or father, let him be put to death. But you say, watch this now, Jesus is doing the whole dialogue. Now, they're not even talking. Notice there's nothing they have to say right now. If a man says to his father or his mother, anything of mine you might have been helped by is korban, which is to say given to God. So it was easy for them to say that they couldn't do their duties to the parents because everything that they have belongs to God. So you have parents that are in need, but mom, I wish I could help you, but all I have belongs to God. Now, this is what Jesus is addressing. You know, to be a mother and a father should be honorable. They spend 18, 20, 30 years taking care of you, and when they get older, you should take the time to take care of them. Amen? I mean, if I have the means and I pray that I do, that I'm able to take my mother in and try to do half of the goodness she did for me to her. My mother was so good to me that, you know, just I never wanted for anything. She took care of everything, every need that I had. And when I was wrong or something didn't go right, she always made it better. I mean, she didn't condemn me when I got in trouble. She just talked to me. Now, my dad, another story. 
And they didn't want to hear all that nonsense, and we'd get ratty tat tat tat, and that was it, and it was over. All right, you're gonna go stand in the corner. And then my mom would come out to him and she'd hug you and give me a piece of chicken, and I eat the chicken, and I was Thank you, Mom. It's the good chicken, Mom. It's got garlic on it. You know how I like your garlic chicken. She just somehow made it all better. And I see that mean old man walking around the house. You know. But you got to love people. Everybody comes from these different backgrounds, right? If you got really spanked a lot when you were a child, you got two directions you can go. You can do as what happened to you, or you can change and go the other direction. I say have a balance. Just have a balance. So they claim that everything they had was tied up in their gift giving to God. That's what they claim. So when it comes time for offering, oh, pastor, I really would like to bless the church. But, uh, you know, everything I got is for the house. I had a guy tell me one time, he says, you know, I don't believe in tithing and offering. I think that when I get my money, what I do, because the church really doesn't need any money, so I go around the street and I just take my tithe and I give it to people around the street. And he wanted me to say something to him. <laughs> and I'm not going to, what am I going to say? You know, you didn't ask me, was it biblical to do that? You just told me what you were doing. Since you told me that's what you're doing, then I'm not going to say anything. But if you would have said to me, is it okay that I take the tithe and the offering and give it to the homeless? I would have said, well, what does the Bible say? The Bible says to bring into the storehouse the tithe and offering, if we're going to go with that, right? And so a lot of people have just done what they want to do, and it's a feel-good thing. You, you feel good because you're helping the homeless. You do that, but it'd be just as good if you take half of what you eat and gave it to them. Maybe you could skip a lunch or something. You don't have to have four or five meals a day. Skip one of your meals and give it to them. I mean, what God says is what God says. And I'm learning not to argue with people who are in opposition to God unless they really want to know because I'm not going to waste my time. Waste your time. The Bible says not to wrangle about words. It's useless to the hearers. I'm not going to sit back and argue with people about things that they already know, but they're trying to get me to say something so they can get an argument about it, and we're not going to do that. You see, so it's important that you do what you know to do at all times. Don't worry about anybody else. You are responsible for your stewardship and not someone else's. So important, these guys are talking to Jesus and not knowing what they're talking about. And so Jesus is listening to them and he's responding exactly to what they're saying, right? So in verse 12, he says, you no longer permit him to do anything for his father or his mother because they've taught that people should give everything to God and giving to God was basically giving it to them. So Jesus says, now you basically got mothers and fathers that have no one to take care of them. And how important was it to God and to Jesus that mothers and fathers and their age, when they get older, if they could not take care of themselves, for the family system to stay intact and family take care of family. So now we have a bunch of businesses that pop up because the, the capitalist society realizes there are a lot of things people don't want to do. So whatever you don't want to do, we make a business out, out of it, and we get funding and grants and all this stuff. So bring your mom and dad over here. What that does is destroy the family, and you take away the family knowledge, you take away the family tree, and you set all this treasure in some place where no one can get to it because the government is taking care of them and restricting you from certain things you can do. When how much powerful would it be for your great-grandparents and grandparents to be in the vicinity to pass down the knowledge that they have to generation to generation to generation. But when you have a community of industry and capitalism is the way to go for the industry to make money, money becomes, mammon becomes the system, mammon becomes the God, mammon becomes systems are created to separate the intimacy and the treasure 
of the wealth. When you sit down and talk to seniors, and we're in a senior complex now, you know, if we sit down and talk to you, you could save us a lot of pitfalls. A lot, if we would listen, things you've lived 10, 20, 30, 40, even 50 years beyond us, if we would just buy you a cup of coffee and give you a crumpet and sit down and ask you some questions about life, about history, and how it was when you were younger, and how did you come to know Jesus, and what would you do differently now that you're this side of Christ, and we're younger right now, we're to listen, how much of an advantage would we have in life if we would just listen and pay attention and sit down and let grandma and grandpa talk to us? My grandma used to tell me, she said, boy, when I was little, he said, we could get a loaf of bread for a dime. I said, what? <laughs> a dime? I said, yeah. And sarsaparilla. I said, what's sarsaparilla? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's evolved into soda and all kinds of stuff now, like a root beer, all this stuff. They tell us so many things that we had no idea of. I work all day. Boy, my grandfather, he walked to me. He said, I work all day for a dollar. I said, Grandpa, how you work all day for a dollar? Well, you know, boy, things didn't cost much then. But relative, things are as expensive then as they are now because everything was cheaper. My grandfather said, I did one mistake when I bought my first house. I said, what'd you do, Grandpa? He said, they were so cheap, I should have bought two. I said, <laughs> I, I said how, how cheap was the house? He said, well, this house we're living in right here cost me 5000 And then this house over here would have cost me 7000 But now you look at houses today, you can't get a house for under $300,000. But you know what I'm saying? The times and the things we live in, you know, it's just different. It's relative to people. So, you know, but to sit and listen to all the things they had to do and how they went to church and how they loved and, you know, went out and, and how Christmas was different for them than it is today. Everything was very different. I mean, they used to put the little stockings up and put apples and nuts and candies and things in that. Today, if you put a stocking up, it ain't $100 near the kids are mad. So I'm just saying how things have changed. Jesus is addressing the tradition. He's saying your traditions and your doctrines should not cancel out the compassion for people. If your traditions cancel out compassion for people, they're not good traditions. If what I do blocks people from the grace of God, it's not a good tradition. If my ox falls in a hole on the Sabbath day, Am I supposed to leave my ox in a hole till the Sabbath is over? No, Jesus said, pull the ox out. Oh, well, you know, you can't work. What's well, going to be work to get the ox out? I got to get my ox out. My ox is part of my livelihood. If he dies in a the hole, then what's going to happen? So you're holding everybody into these traditions. Traditions were not supposed to make you lose your mind. They were to support your common sense. And obviously, I'm not trying to hurt nobody's feelings in here today. You may have some very strong traditions. All I'm saying is don't allow your traditions to be greater than the sanctity of life. You really want to help somebody and you really want to serve God. Sometimes you have to just get right to helping people. Just got to do it. I mean, if God will forgive you for sinning, he surely will forgive you for helping somebody. Well, I'm just saying. So at verse 13, thus, because they, they do this now, thus invalidating the word of God by your tradition, which you have handed down, he says, and you do many things such as this. In other words, many more things you do that invalidates the word of God, cause the word of God to have no power, no effect because of your traditions. So that's what I have for you today. 
Stay with me until next week. Thank you so much.